Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Prime Potty. I'm very, very honoured today to have a uh, physio, my physio, and also a friend, uh, Ben Humphreys, here with me. Now, this is a very relevant podcast to what's happening right now in my life, and hopefully that I can extend what's happening in my life to any of you guys that are going through the same thing, might go through the same thing, or have gone through the same thing. So, Currently, I'm injured, which is uh, an issue. It's not too good, um, but uh, but there's so many things that go into having an injury. There's prehab, there's getting injured, there's returning to play. That's how to deal with it physically and mentally and all that type of stuff. So I wanted to get someone in that's a seasoned professional as well and knows everything about it. Ben Humphreys, how are you, my friend? I'm going good, bro. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> Great to have you here, mate. Thank Great you. to have you here. Now, I'm really excited because injuries is not something that I've really had to deal with too much throughout probably the last four or five years, but I did have a really horrible injury, which we will get to, um, that kind of got me in a bit more of a headspace of how to actually deal with all this type of stuff. And I had a, a broke my leg when I was, and broke my ankle when I was 16 or 17. It was the first really, really bad injury that I had. I thought I was a legend, went up for a massive specky and then come down, didn't really know where the ground was, rolled my ankle, ended up, um, yeah, with a few fractures and then obviously a whole heap of torn ligaments as well, which is not what I want. Now, I was injured last week. You um, went in, I kind of went in and saw you on the Tuesday. Can you give me a bit of an update? I went and got an MRI uh, a few days ago as well and, and you've got the results. Can you give me a bit of an update on, on where I'm at and what what's happening with my with my leg? Sure. Well, you obviously got injured on the Saturday, what was it, second quarter? Yeah, second quarter, yep. Ran it out the third and then obviously had to come off. Yep because too painful, mm-hmm. you said you felt like a click or clunk or mm-hmm. something happened with the ankle, yep. maybe a moment of instability. Anyway, you come and saw me, uh, it was pretty sore, wasn't that swollen, but because you're playing, you know, semi-sort of professional footy, mm-hmm. so and, um, you know, getting paid to play, therefore there's a bit more importance on sort of getting you back on the track as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So obviously when you're dealing with different types of athletes, whether you play locally or whether you play, you know, AFL, mm-hmm. like from getting someone from A to Z, might mean something different to you versus a local footy player versus AFL. Yep. Obviously getting you back as soon as possible is ideal. So straight away, um, you know, we can speculate as much as we want, but I'm like, all right, let's get an MRI uh, because it was a traumatic incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty painful. You heard some clicking and clunking and a little bit of swelling afterwards. So you got called up the radiologist, got you in for an MRI. What? Thank you for that. That was super quick in, in a day, which is incredible. Usually you have to wait two or three weeks for an MRI, so I appreciate moment, that. Yeah, it's pleasure. ridiculous. They're in demand, so it's part of just knowing people, I guess, in your network, the network effects. Mm-hmm. So MRI, we literally got the report 10 minutes before I walk, walked in here. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's hard because, again, it was a bit of speculation. I might have to call the radiologist and, as I said, look at your old MRI report just to assess previous damage, but there's a major ligament on the outside of the ankle, which is the most commonly injured ligament in the body, yep. called the ATFL. Anyway, it says that yours is ruptured, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. Not good. Worst case scenario. <laughs> like Probably not what you want. It's not partially so that, torn. So ruptured just, means that there's, it's not there. It means it's like either um, like popped off the bone mm-hmm. or it's torn okay. into somewhere along the ligament. Okay. So yours says it's ruptured. It hasn't sort of popped off the bone. But when I sort of touch where the ligament is, it's really sore for you. So mm-hmm. obviously that, that's where the injury is. Yep. And then there was a partial tear on another ligament, which is sort of sitting under the ankle bone. Okay. So management for you at the moment, obviously taking the next probably two to four weeks off footy, mm-hmm. uh, getting a boot straight away just to protect it. Yep. As you said, it's painful walking around. You don't want to be limping on it. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, send a lot of our boys across to Dr. Peter Lewis, who's a sports doctor. He does a lot of the regenerative medicine. So plate-rich plasma injections that mm-hmm. take your blood, spin it, re-inject the platelets into the damaged area. Awesome. Just gives you a big sort of dose of your own healing resources, speeds up the healing process. Put you in a boot and then sort of cross our fingers and hope it heals really fast. And then as it's healing and, and as we get out of the protection phase, which is the boot and sort of making sure, you know, you can at least walk on it without pain, then it's yep. about time to start loading it. But what I've seen you've already been doing, which is great is that you're already doing some strength training mm-hmm. without weight bearing so you're already doing some leg extensions some hamstring work yep. some cable stuff all of it you can do without irritating the joint so like obviously lunges leg press squats they'll all bother the ankle because as yep. you said you can't sort of walk on it properly so the main thing is yeah just making sure you're not going to 
go backwards too far mm. with the conditioning of the rest of your body. And you've been on the bike as yeah, well. Yeah, heaps on the bike. That's, that's the way to go. All right, now I don't want to just spend the whole podcast talking about me and my injury and poor me, poor this, poor that. But what I do want to do is give everyone out there a little bit of an insight into um, you know, how they can be helped to avoid injury and then how they can deal with it and manage it. But first, let's, instead of talking about me, talk about you. It's your, your podcast. You're the guest today. Um, can you tell me a little bit about you, how you started in the physio space um, and kind of what you do now in the physio space and all the connections that you have throughout that? Sure. So uh, this is my eighth year of being a physio. So I went to school. Uni straight away, graduated at 22. I'm 30 now. Pretty old, bro. <laughs> you're not that old, yeah. mate. Come on. I, don't, I feel young. You look good for yeah. 30. <laughs> if you're you, watching on the YouTube, yeah. can you go in the comments and rate Ben I out of 10, good. please? Because I'm I'm giving you a, at least a solid 8.5. Yeah. Thank you, bro. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some good massages. <laughs> I'll take it. So then I, I moved to Melbourne. I'm from country New South Wales. And I, I worked... For a clinic which I didn't really like and then I worked then I moved on to a sports medicine clinic which was great then my brother my two brothers are, P, uh, are PTs now but were tradies and they come across to work as PTs mm-hmm. and sort of flowed the idea my older brother flowed the idea to me he goes all right you know I'm going to run this personal training stuff he said why don't you come and be the physio so we we ran a company we started called Humphreys Health so our surname PT physio business did that for a couple of years which was great and then I started results-based physio mm-hmm. three years ago on my own and I got a small team and throughout that time went through a real discovery period for myself especially about the, the industry itself and um, as you know that I work with a lot of people and sort of operate differently mm-hmm. not to say it's the best way to operate but it's the best way I see you operate very right. well like the I've always been kind of skeptical about physios and, and how they work and I've, I've dealt with a lot of physios chiros people in kind of the health sphere over my time being an athlete, but yeah, the, the work that you do is incredible. But just to legitimise your your name, can you um, just name drop a few people that you've, that you've worked with over the last couple of years? Because it's a pretty impressive resume, if I must say. Yeah, so we, we've done a lot of work with various sort of players from different sort of uh, codes of sport. So a few AFL players, we worked with Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, worked with um, Mitch Creek, he's a really good NBL player. Yeah. Um, We've got you. Yes, of course, and, the best athlete um, you've ever worked with. Yep. Had a few, <laughs> um, like professional soccer players, females come through, mm-hmm. and a few various other like AFL players. But I guess some of the biggest names that we worked with, but, which has been great and gave us great insight into sort of sort of professional management of you know athletes. Does it, when you look at kind of the professional athletes' body, do, do they need to be treated differently? a lot differently to gem pop or is it kind of all similar the, the work that you put in for an athlete and then kind of gem pop people well end of the day like fundamentally you know if you're born with two arms and two legs we sort of treat you the same assess you the same mm-hmm. but it kind of depends on the, on the demands on the person so again like we touched on before if you're a professional athlete or if you're getting paid to play obviously there's a greater urgency to get you back faster so you want to consider other options so more urgent imaging, uh, more urgent assessment by a sports doctor, more urgently referred on to a surgeon. It's, mm-hmm. You just want um, speed. So in terms of like my management with you, uh, it's not going to be that much different, whether it be some soft tissue management or some rehab, obviously some, if you need to get in a boot, then sort of organise that sort of thing as well. But mm. it kind of depends on the resources of the person. And then as I said, like if you play professionally for a club, it's the resources of the club and what they're willing to spend just to get you from A to Z faster. Mm-hmm. So I think s- speed is the main thing, speed and urgency. Mm. That's like, like I said before, the work that you do is incredible and we all appreciate it. And if you haven't checked out Ben Humphreys, make sure you do. Ben Humphreys, the wizard, is that what you call yourself? Oh, my, <laughs> my TikTok when I started it, yeah, the physio cool, wizard. wizard. How many followers? I haven't touched it for years, but it's like 250,000. 250,000, it's quite impressive. Results-based physio, does a lot of um, great work. Now let's go through, I think that what I want to kind of get to and be the heart of this podcast is is really helping people figure out how they can firstly avoid injuries and then inevitably they're probably going to get injured at some stage throughout their career unless you're someone like Jack Crisp who's played like 250 consecutive games, he's a freak. But how, like, let's start with kind of, you've got three stages. I think this is kind of how it looks. You've got prehab, 
which is effectively what everyone should be doing in the gym, um, you know, when you're going to footy training and that sort of stuff, then like inevitably you're probably going to get injured at some stage in your life and then how you're going to manage that and then how you return to play and then kind of manage that as well. So let's start with number one, prehab. What is prehab? What does that word even mean? How do you incorporate that into your sport or to your training? Yeah, so you can use different words for everything. Like in the day, you've got to look at the demands of the sport and then you've got to look at your, I guess, physical capacities. So if you're playing like footy Aussie rules, like it's a very demanding sport, high contact, 360 degrees. You don't even have to have the ball to get smacked. So not much can prepare you for some heavy hits except for being very physically conditioned and strong. So, you know, full range of motion for all joints. You're in the gym training. You're making sure your body has um, enough muscle mass for protection, mm-hmm. strength and power. But um, obviously, you know, you can't be too big when you play footy just because your power to weight ratio is out. You can't run. You can't keep up. So It's one of the most, I think, in terms of all athletic capabilities, you've got endurance, strength, power, um, agility, speed, all these type of things. You probably have to be the most, I don't, I don't know what the, Athletic. The most athletic probably sport in the whole world for AFL. Like, I don't know, would you agree with that or not? Arguably, yeah. And I for played, all of those I played for three years and yeah. I played a lot of soccer. And playing footy is certainly way more demanding physically yeah. because you've got the heavy contact. You're, you're aerial, you're in the air most of the time as well. You're doing a lot of high-speed running because you do all your stats and whatnot so you can, you can track. You've ran 15Ks a game. You spent, I know, 70% of that 15Ks high-speed running. Uh, you probably had copped. You know, that many hits throughout the game, mm-hmm. uh, you, you're on the ground, you're in the air, you're getting bumped in the air. So, like, it's a very demanding sport and it's a very high-risk sport for injury. And, and is there any way to condition your body for that so you are going to avoid injury? I know you're not going to 100% avoid injury at all times, but you will get a chance to reduce your risk of mm-hmm. getting injured. Is there any ways that you incorporate um, any type of athlete that will help them reduce that risk? Yeah, it goes for all sports, but you look at the demands of the sport and what the sport demands from you, and then you obviously try to translate that to your training and conditioning and preparation. So, as I said, the main thing you can do is make sure you're, you're quite strong, powerful and athletic. As I said, more muscle mass means you've got be- better joint stability and you've also got um, more athletic capability. Uh, when you're thinking about avoiding soft tissue injury, so again, it's about making sure that the muscle's not only flexible but also very strong in all of its range of motion so take the hamstring for example so you know a lot of hamstring strains are at high speed running Mm -hmm. so therefore if you can high speed run regularly your hamstrings are quite strong your symmetrical strength left to right um you've you've had a good off season good pre-season then that's going to set you up for a really good um season Mm -hmm. however you can't really prepare a whole lot for the the physical the contact the high speed contact so i think that's not only making your body very robust, but making sure you're simulating game-like situations, that training and psychologically preparing, all right, you know, to take a heavy hit, heavy mm. bump and be able to sort of shrug it off and just keep playing. In terms of soft tissue injuries, hamstring injuries, like you said, I think they're the most common injury in AFL football or I think almost in any sport across the world in terms of endurance sports, hamstring injuries always seem to be an issue. Now, as a physio, I'm sure that you deal a lot with injuries after they've happened and then your job is to kind of get them back to play do you wish that you saw a lot more athletes pre that injury and then you could probably help them avoid those injuries do you think that that is a space that you wish that more people would actually come in pre-injury obviously they don't know when they're going to be injured but come in and see you and then you can help them with that yeah it's certainly better to prevent an injury than to sort of have a a curative approach which is sort of deal with the problem after it's happened Mm -hmm. so a lot of my clients I'll encourage to get on on maintenance programs they'll present for an injury um, typically and then they'll sort of rehab it get better back to back to achieving their goals and then I'll encourage them right from a prophylactic which is preventative type care which is sort of what you're talking about Mm -hmm. sort of trying to intercept early so if if there's a telltale sign of you know uh, I've got a tight hamstring, for example, or, you know, it felt a bit niggly on the weekend. They're, they're sort of signs and symptoms that the tissue isn't 100%, it's fatigued, um, there might be some very mild damage, and it might not be enough to be a tear, but it's at least showing you signs that it's on the way to being injured. Mm-hmm. So you can intercept pretty well there as a physio or any allied health professional 
sports doctor, whatever it may be, and go, all right, well, let's deload you. And this is why it's good that a lot of professional clubs have, like, like qualitative sort of apps where the player will like, do well-being checks and, like, mm. they'll note anything about their body. All right, shoulders a bit tight, lower back's a bit tight. You know, it, it might be still rated, you know, 90% out of 100%, but it might flag to the to the team or to the people you're working with and go, all right, well, Tom's a bit sore today. Uh, let's put him... Let's deload him this week. Let's make sure he's in the gym more often, less running this week. And then, you know, we'll, we'll check on him throughout the week. And if he's come good, then obviously we'll, we'll put him back in the squad to play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he says, all right, I'm only about 90%, um, to me that would suggest you're at a higher risk of injury. And then depending on, like, the game and what the game means to the team, if it's finals time, all right, risk him. But if it's like, all right, we're sitting in a good position on the table... Uh, we can afford to sit him on the bench this week. So it's just mm-hmm. resting one more week and getting back to play. So there's a lot of variables to consider, but to answer your question, yeah, it, it's easy, it's easier to manage people before they get injured because mm-hmm. like an injury like yours is like, it's pretty bad. Like yeah. if, if you did more damage, you could be out for an ankle reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and if you go back too early, it could rupture the partially torn ligament and then you're looking at more time off, more money, yeah, more emotional, psychological pain, mm. etc. Yeah. I really want to touch on what you said before about this. Sometimes I think semi-professional athletes or just people that just go out and just play footy for fun, right? Div 12 resis, whatever the hell you play. Like, I don't, I don't mind what you play. Like, it could be anything. But do you think that sometimes people don't take it seriously enough, like, in terms of the, the health of their body? Like, this is something that you should be much more, um, I don't know, like aware of and, and aware of what's happening with and like sometimes you think that going and seeing a physio once a week or going and seeing a chiro or going and seeing any allied health professional is like you're taking yourself too seriously. Do you feel like that's a little bit of uh, an idea that's kind of ingrained in Australian culture there? Yeah, I think you're right. I think and, and I can look back to my own sort of journey and, and sort of how my parents sort of managed injuries for myself or whatever it may be like you can't only go get help when things are quite bad. Yeah, when things are at the worst. Yeah. You don't think about it. It's just, it's probably just a human nature. Like we don't actually really think about how, or, or grateful about how well our body is traveling. Like only really, you know, I, I was grateful previously, but like now I'm like, oh, I really wish I could just go for a run with my mates, you know, like you just can't do those things and you forget. It, an injury is great sometimes because it makes you remember how lucky you are that you can actually move your body like every day if you want to. Mm, like some people say it's like the, the gift of the injury. Like I think it's like many lessons in life. It's like it's not a good thing. It's important that it happened. We, we call it tuition fees. Like it's important that it happens so we can learn from our mistakes and, and change the way we behave going forward. But I guess what you said, culturally, yet yeah, and it's human nature that you'd only get a problem looked at when it's bad enough. It reaches X amount threshold of, of pain for you, whether it be psychological or physical pain, then you go, I want to do something about that. Uh, I think a lot of it is also, as I said, cultural, but also like resource management. So if it's a financial thing, then um, often obviously it's a priority thing for people. If, if you work, let's say, or you're self-employed six days a week, you still want to play footy because you love the culture. Mm-hmm. You might be playing, as I said, Div 12, but you just love to get around the boys. You don't hit the gym. Mm. You might have two kids. Etc. Like, there's other things in your life that will end up weighing in. You work nine to five, you know. Greater priority for yeah. you. But, you know, if, if you are to take your your musculoskeletal, like your muscle and your skeletal management more seriously um, and you don't want to get injured or you want to play at your full capacity, which is probably better, like, uh, many people can play at 75% capacity, but, like, are you fulfilling your potential and are you happy with your efforts? I know mm-hmm. that when I play it, when I'm injured... If I have to, it's like, well, I'm not really happy because I can only give my 75% effort to the team. So, yeah, people definitely should take their health more seriously mm-hmm. in general, like nutritional health and, and sleep and uh, stress management, you know, physical sort of stuff, cardiovascular health, mm-hmm. etc. But I think that's more human nature. And I guess the more that we speak about these things and, and depends on the community you surround yourself with, will sort of depend on um, your behaviours. And if you, all your friends go to physio, then 
I'm sure then you'll, you'll end well. up at the physio as well, and that's yeah. what happens with our crowd. No, it's exactly right. Like for me, I use uh, my whoop band to just like track everything, like my recovery, my daily strain, my sleep. It's elite for sleep because I can just track like exactly how much sleep I get. The whoop plug. Mate, they honestly are elite. Like I'll track like all my daily strain or track. The sleep is the key for it. I think that tracking my sleep, because I, I would get into bed at 10 and I'd wake up at, six and I thought in my head I'm getting eight hours sleep like I wasn't going to bed till like I was getting in bed at 10 but then I wouldn't go to sleep till like 10 45 I was only getting really like seven hours six hours 40 or something of sleep and I'm like looking at my whoop data I'm like I'm actually not sleeping enough like the difference between sleeping six hours and eight hours as I'm sure that you know the the recovery benefits and the less uh lesser risk of injury as well is incredibly better if you're sleeping for eight hours do, do you do much studies on the sleep sort of stuff or not really there's, there's heaps of literature and studies out there already so much um and if you look at i guess it, on the professional front then they definitely will be encouraging like all right the more sleep you get essentially the less chance of injury or, or inversely the less sleep you get the more chance you've got of getting injured so mm-hmm. It's such a. Is that true? Or is that just? Is that just? Is that just people just trying to tell you to sleep more? That's true because, you know, each person is an individual and requires different levels of sleep. Mm-hmm. But like when you're objectively tracking your stats, like you are, it's like all right. Well, I can see there's a correlation between six hours sleep, and you know, certain physiological markers like your respiratory rate or your resting heart rate, mm-hmm. um, your body temperature, and all that sort of stuff. So you can see there's going to be direct physiological sort of um, relationships to how sort of well rested you are or how fatigued you are or, or your, your nervous system function, whatever it may be. And then there's also that intuitive feeling that you get if you're rocking up the game day, you know, you've had a hectic week, you're stressed, things didn't, didn't go your way. Um, you also, you know, whatever has happened in your life, like you also feel, you know, between the ears, you, mm-hmm. you're not like in your prime position to like to play really well. So I think that there's a lot of actual objective data to, to back it in, but there's also that subjective feeling of feeling well rested. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of correlates to a really good performance. Well, it's incredible that probably the two or three most stressful weeks of my life at the end of that kind of three-week period is when I got the injury. So probably... For me, and I know that there's a massive correlation between high stress levels and then and then injuries. Um, and I think that for me, it's probably been some of the most stressful weeks of my life and smack bang in the middle of it, you see an injury. And am I saying that that was the only thing? Absolutely not. But I definitely think that it correlated a lot to, to an injury. So do you agree with that in terms of the stress correlation to injury? Yeah, so if you look at like like raise sort of stress hormones in your body, like mm-hmm. the physiological effect that that's going to have. It's going to mean that, you know, you, you might be carrying more inflammation than you normally would. It's going to mean that you probably haven't re- regenerated and rejuvenated like to the point, where, like the maximum point you could have. So I think when you look at the body, you look at um, the accumulative effect of things. You don't look at one night here, one night there, one stressful mm-hmm. event. You look at... Um, accumula- accumulation of these stressful factors in your life and then you know your your injury was largely a traumatic injury so they're the ones that are really hard to predict mm-hmm. because it's just a you rolled it some dude fell on you someone fell on it yeah. and then but then it got worse when I kicked I did kick on it and I'm like is that a result of increased inflammation is is that a result of what previously happened when someone like tackled me and landed on it or is that a result of what happened throughout the last three weeks and it affected my body in a way that, that I can't really explain or, or, or tell you, but, but maybe that, that's the effect that it had. Yeah, I reckon 100% has affected you because if you're, let's say, under rest, under, sorry, underslept and underrested, then like your physical performance, your reflexes, your nervous system mm. function might be a little bit worse. So who knows? Like it's hard to know because we can't put you in that situation again. Mm-hmm. And have you well rested in once, once, and then also sort of replay what's just happened because like it's too hard to re-simulate. Yeah, and you just wouldn't. But like, let's say you didn't have that stressful week and you were well rested and everything was going to plan. You're dotting the i's and crossing the t's. 
and your reflexes kicked in at a good time or you didn't get in that situation to start mm-hmm. with, maybe you could have prevented it. But it's very hard. If you tore your calf, I'd be way more likely That'd to That'd be say, easier to say, yes, stress. And, like, there wasn't someone involved. Yeah. But because there was someone else involved, you know, as a high-speed sort of trauma injury, like, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. But I think you're right. The accumulation of those three weeks is going to have to have an effect on you. Yeah. And what could you do to... To help that stress, is there, is there anything that I could have done in those three weeks or anyone else out there that that might be stressed at the moment? Is there anything that they could do to, to reduce that level of stress and then come out on the weekend and, and play to the best of their ability? Yeah, well, often it, yeah, and this is totally not my scope, but I think, again, if you take a sort of a, a well-rounded sort of look at this, mm-hmm. you would say if someone wants to decrease their stress, you would then say, all right, well, maybe you've got too much responsibility in your life and you're not having enough pleasure in your life. So it would be like, well, can we find ways to reduce your responsibility, whether it be work or family or whatever it may be, and give you more of the things that you like to do. So if you like to hit hit the gym, all right, we'll hit the gym more often. Mm. If you like to sleep for longer, then sleep for longer. If you need to take a day off work and sleep in, then do that. So just finding more ways to do the things you want to do and, and take away things that you don't want to do. And the other things would be, quite easy to implement, which is some nutrition, good nutrition, um, obviously, as I said, the sleeping, and overall just some better stress management. So if you like doing meditative breath work mm-hmm. practices, then you would do that. Like, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's highly individual, I think, how you would approach it, but like end of the day, it's just like do do more of the things you like, you know, and less of the things you less don't things like. things you don't like. And no working. You're never allowed to work ever again. You're quitting. And <laughs> Quit it depends job. what you like Quit to your do. job and go to Europe for three yeah. weeks and you'll be fine. Well, you'll have no stress at all. But it <laughs> depends. You might like engaging in things that aren't good for you, but you love doing them. So mm. I'm not saying do that. <laughs> <laughs> Find the sure balance. That, yeah, Find sure the balance. Are good for you. Yeah. Uh, I love that. So we went a little bit off, off track there, but we'll get back to – so we've kind of hit one, like prehab sort of stuff. Let's say smack bang, you get the injury, uh, I'm, I'm struggling – um, whatever, whatever you've done, if it's a hamstring tear, if it's a um, lower back pain, if it's an ACL, whatever it is, what do I do Sunday morning? Like I've got the injury on the Saturday playing footy or playing whatever sport I play. What is my first point of call that I do on a Sunday? How do I manage it? Where do I go? What do I do? So obviously it's a very boring and, and general answer, but it obviously depends on what's happened. Mm-hmm. Like everyone will know that like, all right, you've played the game, especially if you're an adult, like most, most culture will be like, all right, let's have a few beers after the game, etc. Mm-hmm. So you just want to minimize inflammation to start with. So yep. if that means, all right, no beers that night for the next three days and, and do that. If it means that, all right, you've hurt your ankle like you have, right, let's get, in, get some crutches, let's get your boot, let's protect yep. it early on and make sure you're not sort of walking on it and aggravating it. Yep. If that means doing some contrast therapy, some some heat with some cold sort of therapy, sauna or ice bath or more locally just ice pack in like a heat pack yep. just to try and get the lymphatic system pumping to try and sort of remove waste product as well as um, encourage sort of the healing, healing resources to go to the area. Uh, whether it means pain management or anti-inflammatory straight away from a pharmacological sort of management, mm-hmm. I think that there are many different things you can do early on but um, typically an injury will last anywhere the acute inflammatory period will be like one to five days typically so in the first typically three days on average you want to just make sure you're nursing whatever's happening it might be an idea to go get it assessed if it's bad enough get a a scan or or talk to someone you trust physio osteo chiro sports doctor whatever it may be but yeah the 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 first point of calls is to chill for the first three days yeah and then take some action after that Mm, interesting and then struggling you know physically mentally do, do you like for me what I what I ended up doing was um probably like you said probably had three days where I was like I think I, I said it previously but you, you're allowed to feel depressed you're allowed to feel sad you're allowed to feel like you've let people down you're allowed to feel all of those type of feelings it is completely normal to feel like that after an injury like don't let yourself fall from a depressed state into thinking that you have depression. It's not, you're, you're allowed to feel sad, you're allowed to feel depressed. That is totally fine. But after three or four days, you felt sad, you felt depressed, then you've got to start to switch it around. You've got to change it. You've got to find the things again that you like to do previously. If it's, 
hanging out with your mates, going to have an apami or a palma, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, from Queensland and WA, where we all call it palmies <laughs> over there, but here we call it palma, so I'm trying to change my vocabulary. Um, but if it's that, if you want to go and, you know, um, just have a beer with your mates, whatever, at a pub, just to get your mind off it, just to get yourself out of the house. If you want to go to the gym and just do an upper body session, you can go do that. If you still want to be doing cardio, jump on the bike. Like, there's still you still want to stick to the structures you have in your normal life and it, it, it's fine to feel sad. It's, you, that's a totally normal feeling, but don't let that feeling completely control your whole life. Go back to doing the things that you want to do and you'll start to feel like yourself again. What do you reckon about about that kind of setup? Yeah, it's totally normal. And anyone who's been in pain or injured, whatever it may be, will experience and be able to relate to what you're saying and be empathetic to it. It obviously depends on the severity of the injury. It will depend on what you do, but like, especially playing a team sport, you feel flat as. Mm-hmm. Like you feel you've let feel people down. like you've down. let people down, exactly Dude. right. Like I feel horrible because I feel like I've let people down. I feel like I'm letting the team down. There's nothing I could have done differently. Like I couldn't have changed, I can't change what happened. It, it's an, You've just got to come to terms with that it's happened, it's done. How are you going to get back and how are you going to feel like you're not going to let them down again? Yeah. And like you said, like, it's about doing the things that you want to do. And like, let's say you've got a, an ankle injury like this. It's like, all right, one ankle, you've got two working arms, you've got a working leg. Um, you can do a lot of non-weight-bearing strength training and cardiovascular training. So it's about looking at uh, what you can do and not sort of focusing, as you said, on the doom and gloom and the depression of it. Because th- like you said, the depression, sadness, happiness, all these emotions are very transient emotions. It's like it doesn't mean that you are that emotional state all the time. It means like if when you're, you're happy, ang- you're yeah, happy. Exactly right. Yeah. When you're happy, you don't have a you don't have a, a some sort of disease that you're ha- you're too happy sort of yeah. thing. Like you're allowed to feel anxious, doesn't mean you have anxiety. You're allowed to feel depressed, doesn't mean you have depression. Don't just start to think these things. Like you can get back to just being yourself if you go back to the things that make you happy. And that is, I think, the most important thing that I wanted to, to, to touch on. At number two, when you do get the injury, it's just like so important that you just get back to doing the things that, that make you happy. Yeah. Um, and then balance that with things like the gym and, and all that type of stuff. I think, and then taking action. So mm-hmm. when, when didn't you feel good taking action? Like mm-hmm. whether it be a business move or whether it be a, if you like some girl and like you're anxious about communicating with her, but like you take the, the brave step and you, you confront or approach or you, you take the next step, you go see a, a physio or you go talk to a doctor, book an appointment, uh, go book a scan, whatever it may be. Doing those little sort of actionable tasks that, that will take you closer to where you need to be will, will automatically make you feel better. So it's about taking control of what's yeah. happening and giving yourself some certainty with some people you trust and, and then the answers that they're going to give you. So it's just sort of getting control, taking taking some certainty about the situation, making sure you're not burying your head in the sand about it. Uh, because if you play like you, semi-pro or you play pro, you got like several other parties interested, like, oh, right, what's the update? Like, can we get an update right now? I get now? so, so many messages, man. It's been ridiculous. I reckon I've had, like, shout out to all my teammates and, um, you know, president as well of the club and like everyone's been messaging me like how's ankle how's ankle mri results mri they've been asking me all week i'm like bit of peer pressure bro yeah i'm like chillax lads chillax you'll find out on the prime potty next week um but yeah (laughs) no i've just been like every time they message me every day and like shout out to them they're amazing but um you know that's the same thing like i feel horrible now when i have to say like it might be two to four two to six weeks like that i might be out for it could be longer and um and i don't have a hundred percent idea when i'm going to be back and I apologise, but like you said, it, it's, a sh- it's a shit-ass feeling. It's not what you want to feel. And like you said, this is an unpredictable injury and you've got to accept that as well. Take it on the chin. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to put in place some things which we'll probably get to is to make sure we, we're getting you back from where you are now to back to playing at full capacity. Well, that's number three. Yeah. Number three, return to play. How do we get back? How, how do we get back once we've got an injury? How do we get back to playing? So it's pretty easy and what I like to do with, with people is sort of reverse engineer. So like look at where you need to be or where, or where you want to be and then look at where you're at now and then we're going to formulate a, a path and a plan to get you from you know, A to Z. So for you it's about being able to run at high speeds, change direction, jump, land on one foot, you know, bounding, kicking, tackling, etc. So there's like a whole host of things that you need to be able to do competently and safely and pain-free 
for you to really feel that you're 100% ready to return to playing football? Do you have to be 100% ready to return to football or do you have to be 90% ready to return to football? I, I think it depends on the individual. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, let's say, and this is what I like to have a very structured approach, let's say with your, or your strength and power testing is all symmetrical, like, mm -hmm. you know, hip, knee, okay. ankle testing, etc. Let's say, let's say, excuse me, that you can sprint with no problem. Let's say that you can change direction with no problem. Let's say you can kick and you can tackle and you can get through training, you know, two to three sessions a week at 100% capacity, but you then come and tell me that, all right, I don't feel like I'm ready. But mm. I can go, well, given all of these physical metrics that we've tested and, you, and you've passed with flying, flying colours, like so from a physical standpoint, I'm like, you're good. Mm. But maybe there's a psychological sort of... Uh, obstacle that or, or hindrance that you have before you want to return to playing but often that I find that confidence comes from completing the tasks that you know you need to be able to do in order to play so if you've if you've done all these physical testing and you've te passed everything then that should give you that really good feeling that I am ready my body's ready maybe I'm a bit apprehensive and scared to return to playing because last time I played I rolled my ankle and squashed my ankle mm -hmm. so I think that it's about addressing the physical capabilities of the body, making sure the body is very robust and the body's ticked all the markers, and then I think the psychological sort of next ten percent might come. But if you're saying, if you're, let's say, the person has ticked nine out of ten boxes, then it's like, well, up to you. And again, if you're getting paid to play, sort of, sort of maybe what what the coach wants to do, or maybe mm -hmm. what some of the board members want to do, whatever it may be, they might go, well, we need you this week. We're not going to make finals. You're a key player. We really need you back. Yep. Let's strap you up. Let's make sure that, you know, you've had really optimal prep. Let's get some soft tissue work done before the game. Let's mm -hmm. sort of do faster rotations for you and reduce your load a little bit, but we need you out there as the impact player. And I know you're 80%, but we need this from you. So mm -hmm. I think that... Sometimes your 80% might be better than someone that's coming in that's 100%. That's right. It depends on your 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 influence on the team yeah, and how right. of a player. Like, let's say you're the captain and you're killing it. And like your 60% effort physically might be not be as good as someone else's, but the, the team morale yeah. and confidence that they have by having you around and, and the fear different. you might have towards the other team, like it might be a huge emotional, psychological effect that you have. Mm -hmm. So I think you got to weigh it up, like pros and cons. Yeah, 100%. Well, that is pretty much going to wrap our three stages of injury up, but I have so many questions from so many people and, and more specifically about um, injuries and specific injuries, but it, it's one specific question that it's almost like when you're in the classroom and one person has a question, but every single person's thinking it. So there'll be a couple of um, specific questions in there, but I think that uh, a lot of people will be wondering the same sort of thing. But before we get into that, guys, as I always do every podcast, you have to make sure that you go and check out the Prime website. We have so many elite products on there, Benny Humper. Um, we're absolutely so lucky. I'm actually going to give you a Prime on One uh, T as well. We, are you an XL? Thank you, bro. Yeah, XL. Yeah, yeah. Or two XL, one XL. Uh, I'm an L, so you're bigger than me. You're an XL, I reckon. Um, I got you a white T. I hope you like that. You happy? I will like it. Yeah, yeah good. Love well, good stuff. man. I've been, I've been seeing it for weeks before it was released, bro. Yeah, I know. I was I was wearing the samples yeah. all around the uh, all around the physio rooms, but um, yeah. So we got the Prime on One. The hoodies are pretty much all sold out. Uh, I think they're all gone, but we've got some teas left on the website, so make sure you go check them out before they all get sold. We've obviously got all the subs as well. We've got the pre-workout back in stock. Um, that'll be back in stock tomorrow because this will be released on the Tuesday. It'll be back in stock on the Wednesday, and then we'll have all the vanilla protein as well, which will be restocked, uh, chocolate protein, creatine, all be restocked. We've been waiting on that for so long. We've also got some new flavors coming of the pre-workout, which is so exciting. We've got the orange flavored at the moment. We have so many more flavors in the work because that is probably one of our best-selling uh, I guess products for this year the, the pre-workout has been absolutely flying and I love it I have it every single day um, it's absolutely beautiful so it's no better way to start the day than that if you guys want to check out any of our just training singlets and training shirts and training shorts you can do that as well we've got AFL footy shorts on there as well so just heap of stuff but make sure if you want to grab something off the website that you use the code podcast to get yourself 20% off how good's that I'm not making any money. I'm, I'm pretty much broke when you guys use the podcast code. Um, so I want to see you guys all using it. But thanks for all the support and everything lately as well. The Prime on Wine stuff's been just absolutely blowing up. We've got so much more cool stuff coming in. So, um, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled for that on the socials. But you'll probably see me wearing it in the, in the potty uh, in the next few weeks. Are you happy with that, my friend? 
Very happy. Thank very you, good. bro. Very good. All right. Well, let's get to the Q&As because um, I think that the Q&As have been just – they've been absolutely flying through from everyone. I put up a story yesterday. I said, potty tomorrow with a high-level athlete physio. Are you happy to be uh, called that? Hey, that's a good title. You like that? <laughs> I might, that might be the title of the – of the potty, a high-level athlete. High-flying physio. <laughs> high-flying physio. <laughs> All right, first question we've got, should I be taking time um, off sport with, a, with lower back pain or should I just continue to play through the pain? I think it's a pretty easy one. Like, if the sport itself is making your pain worse, then ideally, you know, you take some time off because those actions of playing are, are, what, are sort of prolonging or causing the problem in the first place. But... Uh, again, like we said before, go get assessed by someone you trust, uh, get some good advice. Uh, if you need to take you know, a deload a week or two, then do that. Mm-hmm. If you need some anti-inflammatories, do that. If you, you know, need to go to the gym and strengthen your back and make it stronger and then make your return of sport, then mm-hmm. do that. So it's, it's hard to answer, but yeah. What is the recommended amount of time before a game of footy to warm up from Jack Owen? Jackie. <laughs> My boy yeah. listens every week. Massive, yeah. massive fan. He loves lad. it. Again, it's different for each player, but you need to be doing some like, some priming, activation sort of work. So end of the day, you want to simulate some of the game style stuff in your sort of warm-up. So if you're someone who likes to, to take, you know, an hour, hour and a half to get in the right mindset, headphones in, stretch, etc., or sometimes you're the player who likes to rock up. 20 minutes before the game and just play. play. So I think it is largely depends on your approach. But um, end of the day, I'd recommend you need to be doing, if you're playing footy, for example, you need to be doing some high-speed running, you need to be just doing some bounding, some hopping. Mm-hmm. You might want to do some like some, some glute bridging and, mm-hmm. and some quad work, hamstring, calf work, some planking, etc., just to get um, your nervous system functioning as best as possible and primed. But, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. Like I personally would take maybe, you know, 30, 40 minutes, depends if you're playing team sport versus social sport. Yeah. But yeah, I'll make sure I do a, a series of um, drills, hopping, I even do some like hopping with my eyes closed and change like direction sort of stuff, some like high it. speed stuff, just to make sure that I'm fine tuning not only my sort of visual system, but my vestibular balance system as well. So yes. when your eyes do fail you, that you're, uh, for specifically for an ankle injury, that you're going to have like those, that feedback coming from the foot and ankle is going to be sort of also working optimally to make sure you're going to help prevent sort of certain injuries. That was a great answer. That was a fantastic answer. Uh, now, a bit more of a – this is definitely a specific one. What are the best exercises to do before uh, getting back to footy after having a meniscus repair? Do you have any idea on that? Yeah, so I'm assuming talking about the knee. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've been dealing with some guys in the last couple of weeks, even uh, yesterday, I think, a guy who's got a post sort of meniscal surgery. End of the day uh, – the main muscles that are attached to the knee, especially that are con- in, in relationship to control the knee, is the quadriceps mm-hmm. and then obviously those hip, so the glute and all those glute group yep. and those, those muscles around the back of the hip. So the best exercises you should be doing, in my opinion, are a lot of single leg work, so leg extensions. You should be doing a lot of like hip abduction work, so, you yep. know, with the cable, the bands, kicking your leg out to the side, working those side sort of glute muscles and hip stabilisers. Uh, you should also be doing... Um, you know, work on the calf and the hamstring as well. Leg press, lunges, uh, you know, hip thrusts, all that mm. sort of stuff. So Any type of unilateral work is always so beneficial when you're returning from an injury. Yeah, and you got to yeah. And in the day, my parameters for people to return to sport is like, well, is your, you know, left quad the same as the right quad in mm-hmm. terms of its power? Like a, a one a one rep max testing or six rep max testing. You know, do they are they the same? What's the percentage difference? Can you do those? You know, sprinting, jumping, landing on one foot, especially with a post-meniscus surgery. Can you land on one, one leg safely without your knee buckling in and twisting and hurting yourself? Like mm. It's about making sure that the whole leg is conditioned and that you're symmetrical left to right with your strength and power. And then you can do all the things that your sport demands from you. So if, if that means you need to be able to sprint, or you need to be able to sprint. If that means you need to be able to sprint, bend down, pick up the ball and take a hit, mm. which will cause some rotation and twisting, then you need to be able to do that mm-hmm. in a like somewhat predictable environment, like a training where your teammates aren't going to go so hard on you mm. versus straight back into a game. So you want to make sure that you can do all the things that's needed from you. And a big part of that is making sure your strength and conditioning for all muscle groups of the lower limb are up to speed. Mate, elite. 
How do I get over multiple hamstring strains? It depends how they're happening, but... From Blair Ryan. Shout out to Blair. Sorry, I've got to make sure I read their names. So, so Blair, well, it depends, like, how many times you've torn it. Uh, it depends you know, on the rehab you've been doing. But at the end of the day, again, it's about making sure that the muscle is quite like, flexible and extensible. It's making sure that you've got full range of motion. It's making sure that your hamstring strength is the same left to right. And if it is the same left to right but it keeps happening, you need to make sure you're getting, you know, 20, 30, 40% stronger than what you are currently because often uh, soft tissue injuries are because like the tissue has failed because of the load has undertaken has been too much for it to, to take so therefore you just got to increase the capacity of the hamstring to do more and if you are doing it quite regularly you might be returning too quickly so making sure you give yourself ample time to strengthen and condition before you return to sport not jumping the gun and getting to 80 percent like you said and yeah. then returning and that goes for not just hamstring that goes for all injuries. obviously all soft tissue injuries. Now, I've had a lot of questions here about potentially becoming a physio. Um, I'll read out Ethan Anderson one, e- Ethan Anderson's one, but I do have a lot um, of people, Angus Kidman, a heap of people that are asking for it. But what is the best way to get into the career of being a physio or related professions um, in allied health, I guess? Yeah, so specifically, I can only sort of talk about my personal experience. Like, mm-hmm. I when I grew up, I played a lot of like high level soccer, had a few injuries. I wanted to have a profession where I was going to work with athletes or I was going to try to go pro myself. I didn't mm. go pro. Sad. <laughs> I wish I did. I went pro in soccer, but it didn't happen. But I was like, I'm going to make sure then I'm going to be able to work in the industry of sport. So basically in order to get into physiotherapy, especially out of school, you need to make sure you're doing well, you're getting some good marks because the demands to get into physio and the marks you need these days are ridiculous. Do you know what the ATAR like, level like, is? Like probably on average like 85, 90. Oh, it's that high. 97. There's some unis are 99. For physio? I'm telling you. No be way, like a dude. Really? So, physio yeah, that high? I thought physio was, was like... What, it was only... Depends what... 85 one. when I went through, but that yeah. was like... So it I'd depends what uni you go to, of course. Years ago. Yeah. And I went rural... Maybe it's well. easier these days to get a bloody good ATAR. Maybe they've changed it. Maybe. Maybe they've just... I didn't get such a good one, but I just got in on like an early entry. Do you know stand. what ATAR you got? Are you allowed to... Are you happy to yeah, disclose that? Yeah, I got um, 78. Really? 79, yeah. And then did you go straight into uni or did you do like a bridging course or something? This, this will give everyone hope. That didn't get the marks. Um, the uni I went to specifically, they offered like an early entry scheme. It's a Charles Sturt University. Wow. So it was like principal's recommendation. It went off uh, your trial marks. All my trial marks were mid-80s or higher. That's crazy. But obviously bombed out in the actual exams. And then I had to write an essay why I wanted to join the uni. And then I got picked before the actual ATARs even came out. So I was lucky enough to get in on an early entry scheme. That's crazy though, because well, even these days, if you don't get the marks, you can actually do bridging courses. And yeah. If you really want to do some, something, you can 100% do it. Well, you could then, like a lot of people go study science, for example, mm. and then do well, obviously keep a good sort of um, GPA and then get across and bridge across like one or two years in. So yeah. you might, and you, at that stage, you could even get into a master's, for example. Like you might have a, a science degree under your belt. Like mm-hmm. Sally, our practice manager, yeah. she's she's done a science degree. She wants to do physio. She's going to do a master's of physio. So she's already got a degree. Then the master's will be a two-year course, not a four-year course. Interesting. But if you're considering it, my biggest advice, and I, I ran podcast and it's still we're not recording at the moment it's called health business and in between mm-hmm. plug in my podcast and yours. go go check but, it like there's a lot of episodes because we've got a, a physio me osteo a myo and a chiro and we, wow. we all run our own businesses and there's a lot of episodes on there that are angled towards students mm-hmm. or people who are thinking about you know studying the professions that we're in so the biggest thing i suggest is actually go do some informal mentoring and shadowing and hanging around physios or chiros and then just sort of working out whether you want to work in that industry or not based off your experience. Yeah, nice. Shin splints. I get so many questions about people wanting to know what to do with shin splints. How do you manage them? How do you get back from them? This is from Hayden Mortimer. Hayden Mortimer. I was trying to read his last name. Hayden Mortimer. There's a lot of questions there. Oh, mate, trust me. I won't won't do all of them, but, um, yeah, Hayden Mortimer asking about shin splints. Talk to me about them. Well, I've personally battled shin splints as well. So shin splints is like just really anyone – it's a very generic term for just shin pain. So whether it be like the front of the shin, the side of the shin, like it depends where you get your pain. So – 
end of the day, a shin splint, or like usually is a tendon problem, uh, can be sort of manifest as some bone sort of issues as well. But at the end of the day, it means that the control around your ankle and your knee, and usually the hip, is not great. So the transfer, the loading transfer between the whole leg and at, at the shin and the foot is not as good as it could be. So at the end of the day, a lot of um, calf training, a lot of um, like, there's a certain muscles like the perineals and the side, yep. there's other ones on the inside. So mm -hmm. making sure your ankle and your foot is very strong in all directions. So pulling in, bringing up towards you, obviously the, the calf work pushing down and then obviously kicking out to the side. So you wanna do resistance training in all different angles. So with mm -hmm. the cable or with the bands, you wanna make sure that your load management is really good. Cause often if you're, what happened to me and why I was plagued with them for the three years is because I took a year off sport, went to the gym, put on 10 kegs, mm of muscle, didn't run, and then went back to soccer after that. Oh. So my tendon conditioning wasn't good. Yeah. I was a lot bigger and stronger, but and because I was 10 kilos heavier, I hadn't ran for a long time. So okay. my load management was terrible. I didn't do a good off season or pre season. Mm. So a big part of it is making sure you're managing your running load. So if you're doing too much running, running on hard surfaces, etc., you wanna make sure that you're really running your soft surfaces, you're doing a lot of probably partial weight-bearing cardio, so you're going to do some swimming or you're going to do some, some cycling, and you're only doing the running when you have to, and it's a slow, progressive build into your running, like your total running volume and distances. What about a corky? When I get a corky in a game um, from Andy, what, what should I do straight after the game? Should I ice it? Should I heat pack it? Should I just leave it and let it run? Should I have a beer? Don't have a beer. That was a joke. Please. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. It calcified. And I was out for three weeks. It was the Makes worst thing I've ever done. I went out and had 20 beers after I got a corgi. I th thought it was going to be okay. And I woke up the next day. I couldn't walk. Oh, good. I literally it calcified. It was in my quad. And it, yeah, it was a horror. Anyway, stop talking about yourself, bro. Talk to me. Talk to me about Andy. Well, funny enough, you mentioned that because Fud has got a corgi. He just sent me pictures last night of the corky. He's one of the boys in the footy team. He's got it. Is that the one in his shin? No, nah, this one's like above his knee. Oh, it's on his quad now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it totally depends on how bad the corky is, but a corky if it's quite bad and it turns into like he's quite swollen, there's a lot of sort of like blood and inflammatory sort of fluid in the area. Mm. Best, you know, management acutely in the first sort of five days is that like what I said to him, you need to go see the sports doctor. If it's really fluidy, the sports doctor is going to pull some fluid out of the hematoma, get mm. all the fluid out so your body doesn't have to process it. Oof. Uh, then it can start healing well. But acute management would be rest is the best thing. So if it's a nasty corky, you can't walk properly, try to get some crutches early, or at mm. least when you're sitting down, put your leg up. Good idea would be getting some, like, some compression. So whether yeah. it's skins or some compression socks or whatever it may be, making sure you're putting that on. Uh, again, contrast therapy. So some heat packs, some cold pack, Hot just, cold, just yeah. sort of cycling on, whether it be five minutes, two minutes, 10 minutes at a time, making sure obviously you're not burning yourself, mm -hmm. making sure you don't burn yourself. So, and having something sort of between the heat and the, and the cool, the cold between between that and your skin. Uh, and then as I said, if, it, if it, it lingers for days and days, then you need to make sure you're probably getting proper assessment, maybe some light soft tissue work, some stretching, and that's sort of what I would recommend, yeah, for, for corky management and just sort of staying off it until it heals. Interesting. Now, I, I got this question from Paris and she was asking, how much does the effect of nutrition have on you avoiding an injury? Does it have any effect? Do you reckon it has any, anything? Well, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's, it's all accumulative, right? So mm. if you're... You know, you, you eat well and you're hitting all your micro and macronutrients from your food, you're supplementing whatever you're deficient in, then of course your whole body's going to work better. Mm. So if that means you're a healthier organism and you're a healthy human, which means you're going to be more responsive to physical training, I think that, you know, if you are like a healthier person and nutritionally sort of hitting all your, all your targets, mm -hmm. then definitely it should help prevent really any kind of disease as yeah. well as some musculoskeletal sort of injury. But in your circumstance where it was a traumatic injury, it's like... Mm. You can't really do anything. Hard. You can't really say, I don't think it would yeah. help. But like from a soft tissue standpoint, 100. sure. Yeah. Last question and it's definitely a question that I get a lot and, and it's, it's really, really um, difficult for me to answer but it's also really sad that 
um, especially young people have to deal with ACL injuries. Like it's one of the most horrible injuries you can have. Probably that and an Achilles um, snap would probably be the two worst injuries that you wouldn't want to get. Um, so they're really difficult to deal with. But what is the best way to prevent ACL injuries and, and, and come back from them as well? That's a good one. I was literally just on the phone to a, a client this morning talking about she was a client of one of my other physios, but she called me up because she was going to see the sports doctor about, you know, what should she say and, and what kind of recommendations do you think are fair, etc. For an ACL rupture two weeks ago. Wow, but, so pretty recent. Yeah, I haven't seen her, but I just spoke to her on the phone really. Yeah. And I've managed a fair few over my career. But the biggest forms of prevention. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, obviously prevention is better than cure. Obviously if you do do the ACL, then appropriate surgical management or conservative management, bracing, et cetera, is important, sports doctor. But in order to prevent it is, is like preventing any injury really. Mm. So the main way the ACL is ruptured is like a, just a, a mechanical sort of failure. So yeah. it means that, you know, like, you know, Ryan Stone, for example, one of the boys who plays for Rovers, his mm. is an atraumatic, so no trauma. It was just a mechanical failure where yeah. he sprinted, changed direction, just went. some sort of internal pivot, that sort of inward motion of the knee, and then that quick snap and sort of eruptured the ligament. So end of the day, to prevent it, you're going to have appropriate conditioning. So if you're going to play football next year, it's a good idea to start doing your conditioning and strength training now, giving yourself ample time to lead up to the season or to the game. A horrible idea is just to play like futsal with no preparation and yeah. you're just like off the couch, all right, I'm going to go play a heavily, you know, agility-based change, change of direction, high-velocity, yeah. sharp game. It's like, well, sure, heaps of rotation, heaps of, heaps of lateral flexion, etc. You're going to probably do an injury because your body's just not like primed for it. Mm. But end of the day is making sure you're just conditioned enough. So hit the gym, get the legs really strong, get the hips really strong, make sure your body is very robust with changing direction, rotating, lateral, sort of shifting. Big thing is making sure you can like, like really bound left to right safely and, and change direction at high speed. Uh, the other thing is like we said before, quads, hips, make sure they're really strong, hamstrings, etc. And then the lastly is making sure you're giving yourself ample preparation time to the sport or activity that you want to do. Yeah, so there are plenty of ACL protocols and programs out there, but end of the day, just making your legs really strong, making sure you can change direction safely, you can jump up, mark the ball, land on one leg without buckling. That's a really good start. Mm. Mate, all I'm going to say is you're an absolute legend. This has probably been one of the most informative podcasts I think I've ever done, and I really, really appreciate your time and effort into answering so many questions, but also just giving people information on how they can manage injuries physically, mentally, um, how they can stop, hopefully avoid or lessen the risk of having an injury. Um, it, it's all been fantastic. Now to finish on my final question that I ask all of my guests, can you give me three successful habits, please, that you employ in your life every day that have helped you get to where you are? You're a successful business owner. You're an ex-podcast uh, legend as well. Um, you've got 250,000 followers on TikTok, which is almost more than me. So... Give me a little bit of an insight into three successful habits that have helped you get to where you are today. Yes, it's a habit. I think getting used to doing the things that you don't like doing. So if that means that it's a cold shower in the morning, like overcoming these little difficult tasks in sort of small moderation, I think is really important for your yeah. sort of mental, psychological robustness. I think um, habitually, I guess it's again a habitual sort of behaviour is, is surrounding yourself with, with people that are where you want to be or people you aspire to be like. Awesome. So I think that's really good getting the right community around you. There's a really good saying, which I'm sure you've heard, is show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Mm. You're a product of your 10 closest or you're a product of your five closest, or right. as well, I like to your say. Your environment yeah. is very important on your um, sort of evolution and your behaviour. I think the last thing would be, uh, I don't know, just have habitually sort of have some really good, like, strong internal dialogue with yourself and, like, you know, telling yourself you're the king or you're the queen, telling mm. yourself, like, not from an arrogant point of view, but making sure that, you know, you, you are self-motivating, self-motivating, self-driving, you are the determined, like, you are very self-determining and, and your future is in your control. So I think surrounding yourself with great people, doing things that you don't like doing often 
and then making sure that you know your self-talk and self-dialogue i think are, are really good and really strong mm. mate you're an absolute legend if you guys want to find ben humphreys anywhere you can find him at ben humphreys uh, physio on instagram or his businesses at results based physio as well um and yeah you can check him out on tiktok and everything if you follow me already you've probably already seen his stuff pop up um, on my stories and my feed. He's an absolute legend. He's a wizard and uh, we all appreciate the work that you do. So thank you so much for coming on today, my friend. Thank you, bro. It's been really good. No worries, mate. You're a legend. See you guys next time. Good stuff.